Welcome to the Empowered Author Podcast. Discussion, tips, insights, and advice from those who've been there, done that. Helping you write, publish, and market your nonfiction book. Being an author is something that you've got to take seriously. I'm proud. I've written a book. And what does the reader need first? What does the reader need second? What happens if you start writing your book before you identify your why? What's the problem with that? If yes. you're an indie author, you take the risk, you reap the rewards, you are in charge of the decisions. You're the head of that business. Know that every emotion you're feeling when you're writing is felt by every other writer. The Empowered Author Podcast. Your podcast hosts are Bonnie and John Wagner Stafford of Ingenium Books. Hello, hello, and we are live. I'm Bonnie Wagner Stafford from Ingenium Books, and I'm super excited about um, what we have in store today because I think it's something that is really Uh, If it's not on the minds of uh, pretty much any indie author or aspiring author, maybe it should be. Um, But joining me today is David Morris. Hi, David. Hey there, everybody. David is the uh, former VP and publisher of Zondervan Publishers. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, That's a division of HarperCollins Christian. So, um, David, how long were you inside the trenches of the publishing industry? Sure. I've been in publishing for over 25 years. Um, I was at Zondervan, which is part of HarperCollins, HarperCollins Christian Publishing, faith, the faith sector, uh, the faith division of mm-hmm. HarperCollins for seven years. And I was at Guidepost Magazine uh, the uh, 17 years prior to that, a little inspirational magazine uh, that goes has a circulation of two or three million across the country, and I worked for Just a, a little one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was pretty. It's still a very popular magazine, one of the highest renewal rates, and um, that was a direct mail book business. So we used the names generated by the uh, you know the subscriptions to then introduce products book books mostly to uh, those customers, and it was a really um, really good high volume but narrow publishing program. Yeah. Well, I frequently talk about the dramatic changes in the publishing industry since about 2008. So what you have seen um, in terms of changes to to the publishing industry, um, you know, must have a greater change trajectory. Um, Mm. What would you say would be, you know, one or two of the biggest changes that you saw in the industry in, in the time that you were there? Sure. Um, Obviously it's the digital revolution that has, that has reshaped everything Um, from retail distribution to how publishing happens, how books get created uh, to um, marketing the books. Um, you know, I, I, I think probably the, 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 the toughest change in all of that has been what's gone on with retail stores. Um, so, you know, who goes to a shopping mall anymore like they used to? And remember B. Dalton or Walden Books? Yeah. Um, you know, those were some pretty cool chains way back in the day where you could just wander in at, while you were out looking for jeans or, um, or something for Christmas. And um, those just aren't there anymore. So that has cut down on the ability for people to browse and go into a bookstore and find a book that they may not have been planning on buying or going and planning on buying a book, but picking up other books or learning about authors that are out there. Bookstores 
used to be for publishers a marketing mechanism, a marketing tool. Uh, if we could work with the partner with the bookstores, we could get the books in the stores, and they would help sell the books and, and help have act, create access to consumers, to book buyers, to readers. And now publishers have had to find other ways of doing that. I think that's probably just just the the changes to the to the bookstore retail environment. You know, I'm in the faith the faith area, and uh, what's you know what we've called Christian bookstores have um, gone from about eight thousand to about two thousand in a matter of ten years, and the volume in those stores is just very very slim. Um, and that was a big part for for that audience a big marketing tool for those publishers. And so that's right. created a lot of change. And there still is a holdover and, and maybe holdover is the wrong word, but um, in the indie author space, there still is, you know, people think it's the Holy grail kind of to get the book into a, you know, brick and mortar bookstore that, you know, that really is the thing that if I can say that I've got my book on, you know, the bookshelves of whatever store it is, that that is going to be the thing that's going to either, you know, propel my sales over the top or that's going to, you know, whatever it is. And um, I, I think, and, and maybe I'll ask if you agree, if that is kind of a holdover from those days when that was kind of the main, uh, the main marketing tool for, for selling books. And it, it kind of doesn't consider the power that exists now in the digital marketplace. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, of course it does. And um, I think, yeah, certainly it's it's not everything to have your book in a bookstore. Uh, I mean, especially during this pandemic time, I've ordered a ton of books. I've had more time to do some reading lately, right. and uh, and I'm not alone in that. Um, and you know, I've had my wife's getting tired of that truck that keeps pulling up my front door and the dog bark <laughs> yeah. when the book arrives. Uh, and then I got to figure out what to do with the plastic that it came in. But um, the other thing too is um, just think about uh, publicity. Uh, it used to be, you know, speaking of holdover, it used to be that if you got your book on a major, you know, national network show uh, or other major, you could move a lot of books. You could, you can move a lot of books depending on the situation. I can think of a radio show that, that used to move 20,000 books. If it was the right segment about the right book with the right audience, they could move books. It was a big deal. Uh, but nowadays there's just too much choice. People call it noise. I call it choice. I think that, you know, who listens to radio the way the way that they used to? Uh, there's, you know, there's Spotify. There's so there's streaming music. There's mm -hmm. satellite radio. Um, there's podcasts and audiobooks all competing for our audio attention. And so, and and then just think about cable TV. You know, who's yeah. watching? Who's watching the major network shows? The morning shows these days. Uh, I, you know, I think those are still juggernauts and still very popular, but it just doesn't mean the same thing. Stand in a room of a hundred people under 30 and ask them who of you actually has a cable connection and gets network broadcasts. You'll see very few hands go up. If any. Yeah. 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 yeah it, no, it, it's, I don't think we've grappled with that change yet. No, in in so many ways, the, the you know the the owners of those cable companies haven't certainly grappled with, right. you know, whatever the new revenue model is going to be. Let's pause for a moment for a message from our sponsor. 
E.M. Tippett's book design specializes in quality, upmarket formatting, meaning we convert your Word document into an ebook, paperback, or hardcover. Your book will be functional and it will look as good as or better than any book from a major publisher. Check out our portfolio at emtippettsbookdesigns.com. That's E M T I P E T S bookdesigns.com. Now back to the podcast. Um, but this kind of leads us to, to something else that's happening that you and I've talked about a couple of times, which is, um, you know, I want to talk about behind the scenes and managing the Amazon interface, but I'll get, get to that in a minute. Um, there is more opportunity, um, I think, and more, more choice for the author in terms of how they want to proceed to get their book to market there, you know, they can self publish, they can work with a hybrid publisher, they can try to, uh, to uh, get a deal with a traditional publisher. Um, and, and really those options didn't exist at least in the, in the way that they do now. Um, and, and for, you know, for the last number of years, but what's happening is that the traditional publishers are by necessity, and, and I would argue that it's the economic necessity, they are, they are choosing to work more and more exclusively with the bestseller types, the, the, the big name authors, and they're no longer either at all or as much developing those new authors and the mid-list authors, which raises the question, what, what is happening uh, with those new authors? And, and where does the responsibility fall um, for the development of those voices? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, I think uh, with, with some different parts to it, but I think, mm-hmm. I think one of the ways of, uh, understanding what's happened uh, lately is, uh, again, getting back to the digital revolution, uh, you've had, what we've had is um, sort of a winnowing of, of, uh, of channels. There aren't as many channels through which you can distribute books and, you, and, and that helps you get the word out about books. Uh, so not as many bookstores, for example, but what, where books are still sold in hard copy um, are, you know, are very limited. You've got you've got Barnes and Noble is 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 probably the biggest chain. It's I think it's still over 700 stores, but they're they're not necessarily they're always reinventing themselves, and they just have gone through that again in the last year or so. Um, and they're certainly having to do it now during the pandemic. Um, and a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of excitement still around uh, what I think people in the business call the mass market channel or the big box stores like Target, Walmart, uh, the cost. Costco and so on. Um, but those, I mean, picture, picture the book section at a Walmart. It's so small compared to a normal bookstore. And yet that's where a lot of book business happens. Mm-hmm. And let's just go, go pick one topic in, uh, or one, one category of an interest area or genre within that, within, you know, Walmart and, and say, well, I want to see what kind of books they have about cooking. Well, cooking is probably pretty popular, but still there's going to be only so much space for those books. So that's put a lot of pressure on publishers to be um, hit driven more than ever. Uh, they're, they're only looking for the cream of the crop, uh, the books that are going to sell the best. 
And um, I think that's, that's part of, you know, a big, bigger picture of publishers buying each other and consolidation and smaller publishers lists kind of going out of, you know, fading away. Um, and I think that's, that's, uh, that, that's just kind of the way of commerce in the United States. Um, let me see if I can sort of navigate through this question a little bit more. Um, I, I would say that um, what, I, what I've experienced is um, that that actually, as much as that sounds like bad news, it act, there actually is a great opportunity there. Um, if the big houses are only going for books that are going to make so much money for them in a year, and they're just ignoring everybody else. I mean, they're ignoring books that are going to sell uh, five, ten, fifteen thousand units. Right. So, so, if you're an author with that kind of potential, um, you know you you have uh, you have an opportunity to strike out on your own and perhaps even have more control, um, better revenue stream from the book. Um, and uh, I, I think that's I think that's where where the challenge is now some people might say well okay now you're just joining a whole big crowd of people who are all trying to vie for attention and, and get attention there's a lot of noise out there i'm not a big fan of that argument the saying that there's there's a lot of noise i'd say that there's a lot of choice and if you can if you can find your audience and really dial into that audience you're doing something that uh, those big publishers who are putting books in Walmart aren't doing. You know, I'm, I'm someone, I'll just use an analogy from the music business. I'm an Americana, or they used to call it alt-country kind of fan. Um, you know, I love, I love Lucinda Williams and uh, John Prine. And, uh, oh, I never, yay, John yeah, Prine. I never, <laughs> I never used to know about that music. I used to be a guy who listened to... Uh, classic rock radio stations. And if I could find like an alternative rock radio station, I'd listen to that. But, you know, so it's the same stuff over and over and over again. And it's the same stuff a lot of other people are listening to. But I've got, you know, I've got a little bit of a, a, a roots history to my family and, a, you know, a little bit of a Southern history. And I'd love to, and I, and I just got tuned into some of this Americana music um, when the whole digital, digital revolution happened and Napster came along and, you know, I know, you know, say what you will for better, or for worse about it. It Napster actually helped people discover things. It was very, right. very disruptive at, at the time that it was going on. And now I've got like these playlists on Spotify where I'm just, I'm loving this music. I'm so dialed into some of these artists. In fact, I am a, a Patreon sponsor on for two artists that I just really love. And they're local artists here in West Michigan where I'm, where I live. And so if you think of yourself as a book author trying to reach that highly engaged author, uh, reader who's just going to love your content, that's not something the bigger publishers are going to be good at as much as they used to be. That is very, very good uh, insight and can lead to some good advice. So I'm going to, I was furiously making my notes here as you started uh, talking about the answer to that, that very long-winded question. How does an author know about how to get connected to their audience? Um, I think that's a really good question. You know, I, I myself am trying to um, sort of develop my own voice as an author. I have a PhD in uh, religious studies and, um, you know, I've, I've kind of always kept it sort of in the background as I've been uh, working 
through the publishing business and raising a family and developing a career. Um, but, uh, you know, I know that there are, um, you know, that, that the experience that I have, what I want to write about is, is something I think that a lot of people share, but not everybody. Um, and so I think that it just takes time to start working on your craft, work on your concept, um, start, um, you know, just, just uh, getting the words down on paper, start building a website, start figuring out how do you describe yourself. I'm working on my own bio right now. And it's, and, and it's gone through various iterations and I'm still not happy with it, but it's still, every time I work on it, it keeps getting further and further. So I think it's a, it's a question of, you know, it's like a, it's like I have a psychology background. So it's a question of identity and identity is sometimes defined as uh, knowing who you are. And then the people who know you know who you are and how do you find, get those two things to meet? So I think, I think it's a question of knowing who you are putting yourself out there. So how does an author know and how do they get themselves into that sweet spot of, of uh, thinking that they can target to, to the right audience group? And we, we talk about that language at Ingenium Books as identifying your reader singular. Um, but, and be, be in that uh, place where they're able to move 10,000, 15,000 units. Sure. Probably a lot of it too is uh, I was just talking <laughs> about learning learning about who you are and and sort of experimenting with describing yourself and and putting yourself out there whether it's through articles and um, or or speaking and you know your audience when you find people gravitating to you they will help you define who you are and I think uh, as authors as writers uh, it's very easy to sort of be an introvert and a lot of them are introverts and you can stay sort of within your own little space, but the more you can get yourself out there, the more you'll discover how people are responding to you and how they describe you. And then you can build on that and, and fine tune it. Um, I had another thought that went right. out of my head. And I'm just going to interrupt you there because Yvonne, um, who's watching, is first of all, she commented earlier that she knows guideposts very well, um, that uh, the <laughs> that magazine was circulated through the retirement community that was her workplace mm -hmm. uh, at the time. And sure. Yvonne yeah. is yeah. Uh, is the author of uh, Flying with Dad, a memoir um, about her relationship with her father and his history uh, and experience flying B-24, B-24 bombers in World War II. But Yvonne is one of those authors, like many other indie authors, who are working very, very hard and diligently about trying to reach the reader um, and to, uh, you know, make sure that people know that there is a choice and that the choice can be to, to, to look at her book. Um, so what would you say would be, you know, the most important thing? Um, some people say the most important thing is the content needs to be good. Some people say, well, you can't have, it doesn't matter what the content is like. If it's, it doesn't matter if it's a good book inside, it needs to have a great cover. And then there's the copywriting. So, uh, and there's so many moving parts. Um, I mean, you know, you were in, you were in a, an entire organization that was built around all of the components of, of getting a book to market. Now we're talking about a single author, never having done it before in many cases, um, trying to go through those steps where there are normally or have been traditionally big teams. 
So is that a too about too long-winded question for you to get in at what what are what do you think is the most important place to start? Sure. Um I th- I think that uh this is one of the things that was occurring to me earlier too. It's it's also just a question of continuous self-education about your category. So um if you you know if your book is a certain kind of book, then um you know make sure that you have you've done some pretty good research on the other kind of other kinds of books that are just like it that are out there. Yeah. Um, a good place to start would be to go into a physical bookstore. They have a way of aggregating books together that you don't necessarily see when you're online. I've always been frustrated when I try to go online and, and learn about what's going on in a category and Amazon just doesn't, doesn't do the trick for me. It just doesn't somehow it just doesn't aggregate things as well. It's also not, not known as a great place for discovery of books, by the way. That's one of the sad things about not having bookstores right. or maybe as many libraries as we used to or people in libraries. Um, but I think that's a lot of it. Um, definitely then, you know, uh, go and, you know, the Internet's definitely very helpful still, though. I mean, it's, it's extremely helpful if you then look at that author online. What are they saying about themselves online? Who are they reaching? Uh, who are there, like if they're on social media, uh, you know, look and see who's following them. And, and now you're starting to get an idea of who their audience is. Um, a little trick that we do in publishing uh, when we're looking for new authors is we go and we see, uh, we look up authors that are um, exciting to us that maybe we've already acquired or we just like them. And we look and see who they're following because sometimes they're following an, in- an interesting influencer right. who hasn't actually yet published. Um, so I think don't just look at who is following someone else, but look at who they are following and see what you learn. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of hit or miss. Um, but I think if you dedicate yourself to just continuing to explore it after a while, you'll build up on a fund of knowledge of, you know, the, these are sort of the ropes of my area. This is sort of how people talk about these books. Mm-hmm. You know, and then go look at go look at your jacket copy on your book. Is the description on Amazon right? Uh, what what does it look like on your website? Go back and tweak that some more. Um, look at how those other authors are positioning themselves. We call it like what kind of messages are they saying on their socials, and say you know how would I do that, and how could I package out package some content that can help you know, grow awareness of my book and grow an audience around the content that I've offered. Hope that's helpful. Yeah, and that whole interface with Amazon, I, I yeah, that's super helpful. Thank you. Um, the, the positioning and how the potential buyer uh, views, accesses, um, responds to a book, um, you know, all the technical parts of you know, figuring out what categories and what keywords, you know, all of that stuff is a big chunk. Um, and it represents a healthy learning curve for, for any indie author. Um, how many people did you have when you, when you were at Sondervan, uh, just working on the Amazon interface? Well, I, I, I probably should be careful about saying too much about real specifics uh, on, on a show right. like this, but uh, um, I would say that there was a team of people and uh, they in, were, were deeply yeah. invested in what they were doing. 
Um, there were there were custom um, analytical tools that were being built. So that tells you the sort of depth of the team that was there, um, helping us analyze. You know how you know how strong um, a, an author's book page is on Amazon, and what and you know giving us clues as to what we might work on to try to up the uh, product purchases on that when people come to that book page. Um, and just a lot of really good data around um, around the online presence of a book. But also uh, there was, you know, pe- you know, from a sales side, people helping us understand the data that we're getting from Amazon, the sales data, um, you know, just uh, um, just, just, there was just a lot. I don't even know if I, I knew all that was going on, but I knew it was like, wow, there's just, there's just so much yeah. in-depth study. I think sometimes the problem can be when there's all that data, it's inside of a company that they have, it's a challenge sometimes to get it to translate well to the publishing teams. Um, and that's right. That's just something that's sort of, um, you know, characteristic of the time that we live in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then one of the other big components in you and I, talked about this uh, offline as well, uh, uh, you know, the challenge of there's a different kind of writing. So there's, it's one kind of writing that you need to apply to develop the book. Uh, and that takes a certain skill. And then it's a different kind of writing, copywriting, writing designed to encourage people to take action, which is, yeah, by the book. Um, and often that is a place where the indie author and often the indie publishers like us have, have a harder time because we've been invested, um, you know, sometimes for decades in a different kind of writing expertise and that and that depth. So um, um, how, what's your recommendation there? Is, is that something that authors should be looking to develop is, is embracing the, the copywriting, marketing writing, sales writing component for their jacket copy and descriptions or is there some other trick yeah yeah well gosh i mean i think uh you know maybe because of the way that the the industry is every author should try to become a generalist and learn as many disciplines about publishing as they can um it's funny i we have uh i I worked with one author he was with he's with our publishing house for quite a long time uh, and uh he said, I never, I never really realized, it took me a long time to realize that the publisher can't do everything for you. Um, right. And so, yeah. So he just, he realized that even as successful as he is, he had to keep working. He had to keep working at it. And, you know, that's another thing too, I might say. I mean, being, being an author is something that you've got to take seriously. Um, if you, if you want to, if you've got big goals, if you've got high expectations, um, and, and obviously you can, you can measure your expectations and only invest as much as you really need to commensurate with those expectations. But, uh, let's say you've got high aspirations. Well, let's say you hit them, you know, let's say you sell half a million copies of a book. Well, do you know how much work that is for an author? Once they hit that level, there are high expectations from the publisher, especially if they're getting big advances, there's high expectations from the readership and boy, that's pressure to write another book. Um, it, and, right. uh, you know, a lot of authors kind of will, will get cagey about that. They'll, they'll just, they'll, they'll hit a wall. Um, so I think all that to say that I think that, um, you know, educating yourself as much, 
um, like copywriting, for example, it, it really shouldn't be that different than how you structure your book in a, in a way. It should have a problem that you're trying to solve, an answer or a thesis uh, on how you're plan, planning to solve it, the supporting information for that. And hopefully you make it very informative. And I'm obviously thinking more nonfiction here. Um, and then a, a right. very strong feeling oriented benefit, a takeaway. And it can't just be intellectual. It's got to be, how's this impacting me? How's this making me feel? Hopefully it's making me feel inspired. It's making me feel better. It's making me, you know, reading can be a very personal process. Some, you know, you might say it's narcissistic or selfish, but when you're asking someone to spend 25 books, bucks on a book that you wrote, it's, it's a very personal process. Um, but I, yeah. I think that, that, that it's very important to um, just be a well-rounded, you know, writer slash marketer slash business person when it comes to um, being an author. You touched on something that is often, um, at least in my experience, often misunderstood uh, by authors and in, in, as they you know, pursue the perceived holy grail of a traditional publishing contract, which is that they won't have to do anything or much uh, when it comes to doing the work of of, of get of, of marketing the book, what's your experience with that? How 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 active um, do do authors sure. need to be, even if they're in a in a traditional publishing relationship? Yeah, even in a traditional publishing relationship, uh, you'll hear authors say that um, you know writing the book and getting that manuscript done was like giving birth. But then when it came to actually launching the book, it was like having to do it all over again. It was just as yeah. hard and they had no idea how hard it would be. Um, I mean, even for an author who's well-known and everybody's clamoring for their attention to sort of schedule all those podcast interviews and uh, really, really work your own platform. Um, and it's, it's changed. It's changed. I can think of an author that we... Uh, that a lot of us publishers are vying for, and uh, the the price of the advance is going up and up and up. Um, and at <laughs> one point, we just we just bailed because we said this author is just not willing to do the work for the for this kind of an advance. Um, so uh, right. I'm, I'm not sure I'm answering your question. I think I got a little bit off off your question, but um, I I think that it's I, I it think is, I think so. Which is that yeah you have to you have to be ready to roll leaves yeah regardless of yeah. which way yeah but that's you know that's yeah. all um, because you know your book is is part of your message it's part of who you are um you want it you want what you're doing to be more than just your book is what you're trying to communicate and um i think that's yes that that if you can see a more holistic approach to what you're doing then then it really is going to be worthwhile no matter what right um, just as we get ready to wrap up, uh, would you have, you know, what your top one, two or three takeaways, uh, biggest pieces of advice from, from your experience on, uh, what indie authors should be doing today? And you probably touched on, uh, on some of those things already. Uh, certainly just keep, keep building your platform. Um, and, uh, you know, find the right group for you. Find some really good resources that you enjoy digging into. Um, 
you know, from just a purely marketing standpoint, you might look at Seth Godin's This Is Marketing, uh, but that's more just a general, like how to tell good stories about your product and, 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 and be empathetic in what you're doing and solve problem solving. Uh, in the more faith space, although this book isn't specifically faith, is Mike Hyatt's book called Platform. It's actually been out for a while, but it's still, it's still very good on all the fundamentals. Um, and then I think just do your do some research and find a good site, a good blogger who talks about social media, and and uh, and and website promotion and email list, you know, marketing and and just continue to learn. Just keep coming back at it and learn things. And it, it's consistency over time that really seems to pay off in the world that we're in right now. And that's a good thing that you can use that to your to your advantage as long as there's consistency and you keep at it. Yep, that's right. David, this has been very informative and interesting and um, even a little embarrassing with my, my internet uh, connection and disappearing from it's the time um, we're in. Live show, but uh, exactly, <laughs> you know, stuff happens. That's right. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, maybe one day we'll bring you back. Who knows? Sounds good. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. Thanks. Take care, Yvonne. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Empowered Author Podcast, please feel free to share it on social media. We'd also be very grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the Empowered Author on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you access your podcasts. That's helpful for us, but more importantly, it's helpful for other indie authors who are looking for resources to help them on their continuous learning journey. Thanks for listening.